And last week we ended up there in verse 5. Tonight we'll take verse 6 through the end of the chapter. But before we get started, let me just uh, say a prayer. And a couple of prayer requests that we have tonight. Um, we have some missionary trips that we want to pray for. This is a little boomy, Alan. I don't know if you can get... Uh, I don't know if it's the monitors or something. It's just kind of boomy tonight. But um, my daughter is one of them, Jessica, and she is on a missionary trip. She's going to be gone for three weeks. She's been, she left a week ago Thursday, so tomorrow will be first, her one week. We got an email from her. She's doing well. She's in Moldova right now and going to be on in, into Hungary. She's traveling with a group called uh, Interns International. And it just seemed like a great group of Christian folks. And um, they're doing music. They're do taking a soccer team. She's the only girl soccer player on the team. But she's left-footed, so that gives her a good angle on that left side. But she's over there. She's emailed and doing very well, having a great time, and so ministering also in music. So we want to pray for that, for her and that missions trip. And we also have um, our child care director, Children's Ministry Director is going with Calvary Chapel uh, La Mirada to Romania. So she'll be leaving. That's why she's not here tonight, Elena. So we want to pray for her and the, and the missions trip to Romania. She'll be leaving tomorrow. She's getting ready for that tonight. So we'll pray for tonight's study, and let's also pray for this missionary work that the Lord is sending out. Well, we should go ahead and pray, since we won't have a chance to, to pray for the the uh, Tijuana outreach that's coming up this Saturday. A number of us traveling down there. Dr. Ray will be down there heading up kind of a medical outreach. There will also be a lot of other churches involved doing a number of things there in Tijuana, reaching out to the community. And, of course, the gospel will be going forth as well. So let's, let's just pray for those things tonight and then ask the Lord to bless our study. Father, we do thank you for the work that just continues to go on, Lord, across the globe. Your spirit is ever busy, ever working diligently, Lord, to reach out and touch the hearts of men. And Lord, we want to pray for those that have gone out from among us that are going out into the mission field, currently serving, Lord. We want to pray and lift up Jessica to you tonight and Elena, Lord, as they are traveling overseas as far as Europe, Lord. And we ask, Lord, a blessing on them as individuals, that you would keep them safe, God, and healthy but also that you would anoint them, Lord, and use them mightily for your purpose. May they be a, uh, that part that you've called them to be, Lord, in the team that's traveling. And, Lord, we pray for fruitfulness on the mission field, that your word would go forth with power, that the Spirit of God would anoint the work and do the work, Lord. You said, Father, that the fields are white for harvest and that we should pray for the workers, that you would send them out. And, Lord, we pray for these workers that you are sending out. Lord, we also want to pray for the uh, Fiesta de Libertad, the celebration of the liberty we have in Christ going on in Tijuana coming up this weekend, Lord, Saturday, a special all-day event. A number of us from our church will be involved. And, Lord, we pray a blessing again, safe travel and, and usefulness, fruitfulness, Lord. And, Lord, that your kingdom would be expanded, that you would work, God, in the earth for your glory and for your purpose. And so tonight, Lord, as we come as well, just... To the, to the study of your word. And Lord, we're just a small group tonight and difficult to be here. Lord, Wednesday nights are sometimes tough to get, to get out, and especially during the summertime and so warm in here, God. But I pray that you would make this time fruitful. 
Lord, there's nothing as wonderful as your word. There's nothing as good as your word in the heart of your people. And so tonight I pray that it would go forth with power, that you would speak to us tonight, God, and that you would bless and minister. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Remember, this is Paul's letter to Timothy, who he had left behind at Ephesus to pastor the work there. And he's writing Timothy both to encourage him and to instruct him. And he's, uh, last week we looked at the first part of chapter 4 where he, where he warned Timothy that there would be those that would fall away just as the Spirit of God had expressly communicated. Talked about the error that would come in and creep in and through doctrine and hypocrisy. Those that would come in pretending to be spiritual but would really be against the work of the Lord. And Paul encourages Timothy to continue to teach the Word and continue to be faithful as a good minister of Jesus Christ. And that you find that here in verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And I'd like to just use that as my title tonight and kind of the, the launching place for the, for the message. A good minister of Jesus Christ. A good minister of Jesus Christ. Let's work, uh, read through uh, at least um, 6 through 11, and then we'll come back and work our way through that portion of the text. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. A good minister of Jesus Christ. I have six things that we'll look at through our text tonight and we'll continue on through the end of the chapter, but we'll take this top portion now. Six things that I believe Paul identifies here for Timothy. He encourages Timothy to be is spiritually healthy. Spiritually healthy. If you're going to be effective in ministering for Jesus Christ, you are going to have to be a healthy servant of Jesus Christ yourself. You yourself have to be strong spiritually. You can't, as they say, draw from an empty well. You have to have something going on in your own life spiritually if you're going to be effective in ministering to others spiritually. And I believe that Paul gives that instruction here. First of all, one of the things that you need to be spiritually healthy is you have to have a right attitude. Paul instructs Timothy that, that exhorts him to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. That word minister means servant. The first attitude that you have to have when you approach ministry is you have to recognize it's being a servant. It's not about being important. It's not about you being in charge. It's not about you uh, being a leader. It's about you coming to serve. Jesus said, I didn't come to be, Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Paul, who laid his life down for the ministry, the service of the ministry. If you're going to be healthy spiritually, you're going to have to have, first of all, the right attitude. You don't need to turn to it. I'll read it to you. Colossians 3, 23 says this, Whatever you do, 
Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Being healthy spiritually involves having a right mindset. When you come to the idea of serving Christ, that's the, that's the right idea. I am here to serve you, Lord. Whatever you employ me to do, whatever task you assign to me, whatever I can do to be of service to you, that's the purpose of my life. That's my, my heart's devotion now. You who've done so much for me, you and we've been studying that on Sundays, haven't we? The study of this wonderful salvation that God has made available to men. The right response is, Lord, you who have done so much for me, I want to be of service now to you. My life now belongs to you. You've redeemed me. You've purchased me. That blood of Jesus bought me out of slavery to sin and has given me an inheritance in God. And now my life belongs to Him. Being healthy spiritually, first of all, has the right attitude to be a servant. And nothing more, just a servant of Christ. You don't do it for man. You don't do it for notice. You don't do it for recognition. You do it to serve the Lord. That's the way you... That's the way you can tell if someone has the right attitude. If they're not, they get frustrated in their ministry because people aren't appreciating them or acknowledging them. Chances are they're, they're doing it with the wrong attitude. They're looking for some kind of appreciation from men rather than, I do this unto God. It's nice when people appreciate my service, but if they, if they fail to, I'm still obligated to the Lord. I'm not doing it to be noticed of men. I'm doing it for the Lord. And that's what, that's what motivates, and that's what keeps you fueled spiritually. That's, you know, burnout happens when, when, when you try to do things in your own strength and for, for the wrong motives and the wrong reasons. But when God is the motive and serving the Lord, those are the right attitudes for a healthy spiritual ministry. So you have to have the right attitude. You also have to have the right diet, right? Just like being healthy in the natural requires the, the right diet. Notice what Paul says there again in verse 6, the second half. Nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Nourished in the word. Nourished with good doctrine which you have carefully followed. That good doctrine is not some new thing, new teaching, but, but that doctrine that you have carefully followed. Timothy, this is the doctrine he's... He says in another place, this is, the, this is what you learned even from your mother and your grandmother. This word of God, this is what you must feed and nourish your life on. You must have a relationship with God. If you're going to be an effective minister of God, you've got to be healthy yourself. And that requires studying, reading, understanding the word of God, a student of the word. Peter says it this way, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Just as a baby desires a mother's milk, and how, how do babies desire their mother's milk? Tenaciously. <laughs> I mean, they are. They let you know when they want it, and they want it, and they, it, it's, it's, it, they crave it. They need it to survive, and they let you know that. And that's what Peter says, in the same way you should desire the Word of God. It's the same kind, it's sustenance for you spiritually. It's life. It nourishes you. If you're going to be healthy, you're going to need a good diet. That diet needs to be the Word of God. You need to be a student of the Word. You need to be in the Word, reading the Word. It needs to become alive to you. You must desire it. 
flows out of your relationship with Him and love for Him. Well, you need right attitude, right diet. You also need the right exercise, don't you? Just like being healthy physically, if you're going to be healthy spiritually and fit spiritually, you're going to need the right exercise. Look what it says in verse 8. Bodily exercise profits a little. So that's a good thing. Our bodily exercise, that is good, that we would exercise ourselves physically and stay fit physically. That's important. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. You need to exercise yourself. I'm sorry, I skipped verse 7. Exercise yourself toward godliness. This has to do with training yourself spiritually. This has to do with discipline. This, this, Paul uses this analogy just as an athlete would need to exercise and properly train. If you've ever seen professional athletes or if you've ever seen like these Olympic athletes, what they, what they go through to prepare themselves for their, their skill, that kind of diligence, that kind of uh, sacrifice that many of them will make. Their diet is affected. They're, they're up early. They're exercising the regiment hours and hours and hours training. Paul is using the same analogy for godliness, that you would exercise the same diligence, the same type of training, the same kind of determination to godliness. Because not only godliness has benefit not only in this life, but in the life that is to come. I believe that this word godliness refers to a couple of things. One, a loving relationship. I believe that it includes faith, prayer, worship. And I also believe that it entails an obedient lifestyle. Godliness, that we would behave godly, that we would act like our Father in heaven. Jesus said in Matthew that you would be sons of your Father in heaven. He says, you know, you've heard before to... Love those who love you, but I say love even your enemies. Remember those words from Jesus? Love even your enemies. Pray for those that abuse you. Why? Because your heavenly Father, He sends rain on the just and the unjust. He's good to all, isn't He? God's mercy is upon the whole earth. God sends rain on the earth to feed even sinners, right? And so He's saying, act like your Father. In the same way that He is good both to good and evil, you too. Be loving not only to those that are easy to love, but even your enemies. He, he actually asks you to raise it up to a higher level, not a human level, but a godly level. Behave like your Father in heaven. Paul is saying, Timothy, discipline yourself to godliness. Take, uh, make effort to, to, uh, to be a student not only of the Word, but to be in a loving relationship with God, mindful of the benefits. They are both now and eternal. Being spiritually fit is step one in being an effective minister for the Lord. Just as you wouldn't go out to compete in an athletic event without first getting in shape, just as we wouldn't send troops into warfare without first training and properly equipping them, so Timothy, Paul encourages Timothy to prepare himself spiritually. Study the Word. Exercise yourself to godliness. Discipline your life. Work at it. Be, be focused on God and His agenda. A loving relationship with Him. Be faithful in prayer. Be faithful in worship. 
be faithful in the study of His Word. Spiritually healthy. That's one aspect of a good minister of Jesus Christ. Secondly, verse 10, you need to be a hard worker. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Paul says, for this reason, this idea of godliness, this idea of being a servant of Christ, we labor and suffer reproach. Ministry is not for slackers. Ministry is a call to hard work. I don't know if any of you have ever served in any kind of ministry, even a small ministry in the church, whether it's working with children, whether it's working on the sound, whether it's working in music, whether it's teaching a Bible study, whatever opportunity may open up for ministry, I can tell you right now, it's hard work. And it's, it's not always appreciated. And it kind of, you know, gee, you know, there's hardly anybody here tonight. And I've got this great study prepared. You know, I can start, you know, listen, it's work. You just do the work. That's part of the ministry. You set your heart and you do the work. Paul said we labor, we suffer reproach, we toil, we, we, we're persecuted, things come against us. It, ministry isn't for cowards. Ministry isn't for kickback, you know. It, ministry is rolling up your sleeves and going to work for the kingdom of God and for the things of God. Now, you don't work in your own strength. You don't work without His grace and His calling and His spirit, but you work. Paul said, I, I labored, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. It's a, there's a co-laboring with that grace of God. He'll, he'll call you. He'll empower you. It's His spirit that ultimately produces the fruit, but you and I have to work at ministry. We have to give our lives to it. Galatians 6, verse 9, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. There is a work. There is a, a potential for growing weary. It is hard work sometimes. You get tired. And sometimes you do need to be refreshed. Ministry takes effort. It takes sacrifice. But we do it because, Paul said, because we trust in the living God. What else do you want your life's effort to go into? It's the greatest thing that you can do with your life is to serve God, is to do something for His glory, being used by God. If you've ever allowed yourself to be involved in ministry, maybe you're just working BBS this last week. Maybe you had an opportunity to connect with just a couple of these little guys that were in. And maybe you had to take time off work or you had to make sacrifice to be here. Maybe it was difficult, but I'm telling you, if God used you and, if you, and you know this when the Lord uses you, and you see the impact on a life, even a, a little young, you know, fifth or sixth grade or third grade, or one of these little guys, but something was imparted, a connection was made. I, you know, I was the cowboy. I was rowdy. Howdy, rowdy. <laughs> and um, I could tell that you know, I made a little connection in the hearts of some of these little guys. Oh, they wanted to come check me out and give me a high five. And there was just, there was something there. And that blessed my heart. You know, God, God used that, that character to, to reach out and encourage these little guys. And it opened up their hearts to, for the word and for the things that went on, went on during the BBS week. Just one example. But once you've tasted of God using your life, trust me, there's nothing compares. 
There's nothing that compares to that. There is a reward of its own just knowing that God has found your life useful for his purpose. And, it, and Paul said we do it because we, have, we trust the living God. We know that all these things that we do are going to last for eternity. That's a pretty good place to invest your time. You know, we invest our lives into so many things. We, we do things just, just to create a good memory for our kids. You know, oh, we took this trip, and oh, we had some great time. We took pictures. We invest a lot into these events, and those are good things. I'm not saying those are wrong, but compared to an investment in eternity, these are small things. So Paul is saying we work hard, and we don't mind because we, we trust we trust in the living God. We know that our work, our effort, is not in vain. The writer of Hebrews put it this way, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. God promises to reward faithful service to Him. God promises that those things that you do in this life for His kingdom have eternal value and reward. And I believe, just like Paul, that we can trust the living God, that he will be faithful to, faithful to keep those words and those promises. Thirdly, a good servant of Jesus Christ, a good minister of Jesus Christ, must be a good example. Look at verse 12. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. And he gives us a number of things here to be examples in. In word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Apparently, Timothy was a young man, or at least younger probably than some of the people in the congregation that he was ministering to. And Paul is encouraging him. Hey, the fact that you might be younger than some, don't let that discourage you. You can still lead them if you will live out the example. If you will be a good example, even as a young person, you can, set, you can set the pace for those around you. Being a good minister of Jesus Christ requires being a good example. It is said that a minister's life is his most powerful message. Speech or word. Boy, there's a place to start. You want to be a good example of a minister of Jesus Christ, you need to set the pace in speech, the way you talk, the things you talk about with your words. That's a challenge for all of us. Set the example in speech. Set the example in conduct, the way you conduct your life, the way you, you live your life, the way you manage your life, the way you manage your household, the way you conduct yourself on the job the way you manage relationships with friends and family, in love, that you would set the example in love. Jesus, of course, is our example. We are to respond in like kind. The love, says, Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart as if it's exploded in our own heart and now goes out to love others. Be an example in love. Don't wait for someone to treat you well. You set the pace. You be loving. Love is active. Love takes the initiative. Love reaches out. Not waiting to see if you're going to be nice. You're okay. Okay, I'll love you. You're all right. You're, we can be friends. No, love is on the move. 
For God so loved the world that he gave. God didn't wait for us to love him. God initiated love in the person of Jesus Christ. Even while we were sinners, right? Even while we were his enemy, he came in love. Set the example in love, in spirit. This idea of spirit also it talks, it kind of lends to the idea of our, our rational spirit, the way that we think, the way we make decisions, that, that inner soul. How, set the example, the way that you conduct yourself maybe in business or the way uh, your decision processes. Are, is God first? Are spiritual priorities your, the way you make even your decisions? What's the first thing that comes to mind? When you need to make a decision, is it prayer? Is it God's word? Is it God? What would your will be in this situation? Where are you going to live? Where are you going to work? What, how, you know, what you're going to drive? What you're going to wear? Is God involved in your decision processes? I'm not suggesting that you, know, you get up and, oh God, what you know? What what belt do I wear today? You know, and, and labor over something trivial. But I'm just simply saying God needs to be a part of our rational process. Be an example in that way. Also in faith. And this has, this has to do not just with what you believe, but in your faithfulness, that, you would, that you're not a quitter, that you're faithful. You, you're, you finish your tasks. You're unwavering. You are all about spiritual life and you're committed to it. Be an example in faith in the way that you would lead. And in purity. Of course, this has to do with sexual morality, sexual purity, that you would be an example, not bound up in immorality, not given to perversion, pornography, sexual uh, infidelity. These types of things cannot be, uh, you can't be a good minister, servant of Jesus Christ. You need to set the example in these areas. Number four, in being a faithful minister of Jesus Christ, I believe you need to be a bold teacher. Verse 13 says this, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Now, he's already encouraged Timothy in his personal life to be nourished on the Word. So this isn't him repeating, Timothy, uh, do your reading and, and pay attention to doctrine. He's now talking about what you would be giving out. And I just believe that if you're going to be faithful as a minister of Jesus Christ, all of us, you know, some, well, I'm not, teaching's not my gift. We're not necessarily talking about a formal setting like this where one is teaching. We're talking more about that you, by your lifestyle and the things that you say, you're teaching the gospel. You're leading others to Christ by the way you live, by the way you talk, and you're proclaiming something. Something is coming out in the way you speak. The Word of God. Exhortation, that means encouragement or, you know, um, Correction sometimes. What, what about workplace? Someone's got, you know, life happens. People have crisis everywhere you go. Have you noticed that? Individuals have issues and there's, there's a crisis. Boy, that's, a, that's an opportunity for someone to boldly proclaim God. Can I pray with you? I understand you're having a family situation and it's difficult. You know what? I happen to be a born-again Christian. I believe in God's Word and I believe in prayer. I just want you to know I'd be more than willing to pray with you and ask God to come and, and intercede into this situation. That's being a bold teacher. You're teaching them the Word of God. You're teaching them about prayer. You're teaching them to turn to God in time of crisis. He also said there in verse 11, these things command 
and teach. There is, of course, um, a living out of your Christianity that requires what we just looked at being an example. But I want to challenge you tonight that that by itself is not enough. That with, you can't. You have to have that. You have to be. You have to, you know, walk the walk. But you also have to talk the talk. People don't know what, why you're nice until you tell them. Hopefully, you are nice. <laughs> People don't know what's going on in your life. They don't understand the strength that you have unless you say something about the Lord. Paul told it later in, in the book of Romans. He says this, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall people know Jesus if they've not believed in him? How can they call on his name if they don't believe in him? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Well, we read that sometimes and we think, Oh yeah, that's, that's what Billy Graham's for. That's what the Harvest Crusade's about. That's, that's why God raises up these evangelists so that people will hear about Jesus. And that's true. God does use those, those vehicles to minister his word. But I'm telling you, there's that one-on-one -on -one relationship that he's given you. He's, made, he's called you to be an evangelist in your own setting, in your own circle. And I believe that if you've got to be faithful as a minister of Jesus Christ, ultimately you've got to be bold with what you believe. You've got to be able to declare and tell people what you believe and why. Until I get there, Paul said, continue to read the word. And that word, and that does mean uh, reading the scriptures publicly. Uh, it doesn't say it here in the New King James. Here's the New Living Translation. It reads like this, verse 13. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. We need to be vocal and bold in those things that we believe. God will open doors. I'm not saying about. I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm not talking about trying to be somebody you're not or trying to get out into something you're not ready for. I'm simply saying don't be ashamed to tell people what you believe and to encourage them in those things. There is power in the gospel. Number five, if you're going to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, I believe that you're going to have to be gifted by the Spirit. Look at verse 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Gifted by the Spirit. He tells Timothy, first of all, don't neglect the gift. Neglect can be a number of things. Neglect can simply be a lack of using it. It's kind of like a muscle. If you don't use it, it just kind of loses its strength, loses its coordination. I was um, down at the gym. This is a couple weeks ago. You know, I go down, trying to stay bodily fit as well. Down at the gym and exercising a little bit. And I just kind of on the treadmill. And there were some guys out playing basketball. And they have a basketball court there. And I knew one of the kids. In fact, I actually coached his soccer team. He's, he's grown up. He was on one of my son's soccer teams. He's grown, He's bigger than me now. But he saw me and he said, hey, hey. I'm putting a, come on, come on, play some basketball with us. You know, I used to love playing basketball. <laughs> I said, oh, sure, that's a good idea. So I get out there, and, of course, they're playing full court. 
And in about 10 minutes, I'm just, I'm out of gas, I'm, I'm winded, and finally somebody, you know, I'm just hoping nobody passes the ball to me. <laughs> and pretty soon, they're not covering me, then all of a sudden I'm open, and here comes the ball. Oh, shoot, I, I mean, I missed the whole rim. I never, you know, I just shot it over the rim, almost went over the backboard. And I thought, you know, <laughs> um, I've neglected this gift. <laughs> I have not practiced. I haven't shot a basketball in a long time. And it was just, boy, it really, really showed. Paul says to Timothy, don't neglect the spiritual gift that is in you. God has given you something spiritually, a gifting, a grace. And, you know, just by not using it, just by letting it lie dormant, that's neglect. And it, 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 you can lose something of that power. Now, it's the, that gift comes from God, and but it needs to be strengthened. It needs to be nourished. It needs to be developed. You know, I, I, I'm trusting that God has given me a gift to teach His Word, but that doesn't mean I can't. I don't need to study. That doesn't mean I don't really have to work at it. I, I labor hard to try and make sure that I'm co-laboring with this gift and wanting God to, to develop the gift in me, and I'm hoping by His grace that in time I'll be even you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get better at it, and I'll learn more about how to do it well, and God will train me in these things. That's the way God's grace works. It, you don't just all of a sudden, you know, you're great at it. Well, I'm not really that good. Well, not yet, but if God's grace is there, step out. God will use your spiritual gifts. God's given them to you to be used. Don't neglect them, not using them. Or sometimes we try to do things in the flesh. That's another way that we can neglect spiritual gifts. We want to do it ourselves. Yeah, we'll just this, and we'll, we'll, we'll advertise, and we'll, we'll have all the right sound system, and we'll, we'll put on media, and we'll have all kinds of clever ways to get people excited. And we get into this whole, what, what about prayer? Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that, but right now we've got to get these, we've got to get events going, we've got to get coordinated, you know, all, we've got to get, what about just fellowship and praying for one another? What about the Word of God? What about those spiritual things? that God instituted in the early church in Acts chapter, early chapters. Don't neglect the spiritual. Don't get so caught up in trying to do the ministry in your own strength that you forget that ministry really flows from the Spirit of God. Pray. You're up against something and you don't have to pray. Prayer. Love. The Word of God. These are spiritual things that God has given. And Paul is encouraging Timothy don't neglect the, the spiritual gift. It was imparted to you by the laying on of hands, by the, by the eldership, those that were uh, leaders in the church. We, we laid our hands on you and we prayed for you and God imparted some spiritual giftings to you. Don't neglect those things, Timothy. You need those gifts from God. Remember Jesus after his resurrection, he spoke to his disciples. What did he say? Go out and preach the gospel. Yes, he did say that, but did he say go right away? He said, no, first go and wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given. Go, because I don't want you out there in your own strength. You need to be equipped with the power of God. And they waited, and you know Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them, that Greek preposition, upon epi, Holy Spirit was up to that point had been with them. He was in them. The Bible also talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon you. And that upon you actually is almost 
Some call it being baptized, being filled. Jesus, talk, talking about it, said, Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. You'll be filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God coming upon the life of the believer, empowering him for ministry. This is what happened to Timothy when they laid their hands on him and prayed for him. It's what happens today when we lay hands on one another and pray for one another. People are filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't neglect the spiritual gifting that you have. You must be empowered and gifted by the Spirit. Don't, in, a, in an enthusiastic moment, yeah, I want to serve God, try to plan and scheme your own strategy. God has to equip you. God has to empower you. But He will. He will and wants to. If you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit to that, to that kind of um, dynamic, we're always willing to pray. If you're not sure what that... What that it, clearly in the Bible, it, it seems to be something that happens after conversion. There is this additional work of the Holy Spirit that comes upon people when the apostles laid their hands on them. And we're encouraged to also be filled with the Spirit. If that's something that you'd like prayer for, we would always be willing and wanting to do that. We would lay hands for, on you as well, that the Spirit of God would come upon your life. You must be gifted by the Spirit. And finally, number six, to be a, a good minister of Jesus Christ, you must be totally committed. You must be totally committed. Look at verse 15 and 16. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who who hear you. Totally committed. Paul says first, meditate. That has to do with where your thought is and where, what you think on. What are you thinking about? What, what is the center of your, your mind tonight? Remember Paul in Philippians said, whatever things are good and pure and lovely and of virtue, think on these things. Meditate on these things. Being totally committed to the Lord, a big part of it is what we do with our minds, what we let ourselves think on and think about. He encourages Timothy also to give yourself entirely. I always think of that as having to do with what you give your time to. Give yourself entirely to these things. Let this be what you spend your time in, Timothy. Reading the Word, thinking about the Lord, praying, developing your spiritual life in relationship with Him. Paul told the Ephesians to be wise by redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Give yourself entirely. How do you spend your time? Are you totally committed to the Lord? He says in verse 16 to take heed. Take heed means to be careful. It means to be purposeful, to be diligent. Peter said this in 2 Peter 1.10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. You know, Christianity doesn't happen in your life by accident. You don't just wake up in the morning and, and you're growing as a Christian. It's just happening. I'm just getting spirit, more spiritual every day. I'm just loving the Lord. I, I just put the Bible under my pillow, sleep on it, and it just kind of, you know, my mind's filled with the Word. I slept on it. It doesn't work that way, does it? You've got to read it. You've got to work at it. You gotta, you gotta 
take care with these things. Take heed. You've got to be diligent. I've found that spiritual progress, spiritual growing and maturing, is hard. And I have to work at it. But I, all, I have found that being carnal or you know, unspiritual is easy. I can do that all day. Easy. Don't even have to work at it. Don't even have to think about it. It's kind of like the difference of, you know, trying to grow roses versus weeds. Weeds are just easy to grow. <laughs> but good roses are take work, don't they? You know? I've got both in my rose garden. I've got roses and weeds. <laughs> as a consequence, our roses aren't as beautiful as they might be. But so it is spiritually. We've got to work at these things. You've got to be committed to it. It's not just going to happen. You're going to have to make it a priority in your life. Take heed, he says. He also says in, the, in verse 16 to continue. Continue in them. Well, that's the tough part, isn't it? A lot of people start well, but they don't finish well. Paul says in another place in, in Corinthians... Uh when he's talking about living the Christian life, he said, you know, you need to, you need to think of this as a, as a race. And you need to run to win. How do you win a race? Just by starting? You've got to finish. And, it's, and let me tell you, it's not a 40-yard dash, the Christian life. It's a marathon. It's a long haul. Paul says, Timothy, you've got to continue few months of faithful service, you know, that does not a good minister of Jesus Christ make. you got to hang in. It's a long journey. And you got to be faithful every day, one day at a time. But you got to run the course. Paul said later to Timothy, I've run my race. I've finished my course. I didn't just start, I finished. Paul's encouraging Timothy here, continue in them. Finish your course. Why? Folks, because the stakes are so high. Look at verse the last part of verse 16. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. This isn't, um, this isn't a game. Christianity. Being born again spiritually, being a child of God, this is not some just kind of social club that we've joined. This is not just some, you know, nice thing that we add to our life, kind of like, you know, membership at the country club. Yeah, I like to play a little golf. I go to church on Sundays. It, it is, this, is, this is life or death. Spiritual life is, is real. There are, that we are, as Paul said, at war. We talked to one of those soldiers over in Iraq. It's no game. They don't wake up in the morning haphazard about what's going on. Their lives, something is at stake. Their lives. And the lives of those around them. And maybe, you know, the life of a nation back home. A way of life, a, a country's you know, democratic society being threatened by terrorism and 
by those that would promote it, right? Something at stake. Well, the same is true here. Paul is really, he's, he's pushing on Timothy here a little bit and really encouraging him to be diligent. Why? Because Timothy, there's so much at stake. You're, you, need, you need to save yourself. And this is by being spiritually healthy and diligent. Your own life will be secure spiritually. And also you need to save those around you. That's what's at stake for you and I. I don't want to make this some heavy burden upon your shoulders tonight. Because I believe that God will give the grace and the, and the love and the spirit to, to accomplish all that concerns you. But the word is what it is. And tonight, the word is serious. Be diligent with these things. Do you want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ? You're called to be that, whether you want to be or not. Oh, no, 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 Pastor. You're, you're called to ministry. I, I'm, just, I'm just one of the guys in the pew. I just go to the church. I don't actually minister in the church. That's not a biblical concept. The Bible says that all of us have been called to a body. All of us have been called to contribute something to the health of the overall body. You are called. You are called to be of service in the body of Christ. You are called to serve Jesus Christ. It will, it will manifest in different gifts, in different ways, in different callings. But there will be things that you bring that no one else can bring. There's things that they bring that you need. You need them. They need you. That's what God has orchestrated for us. It's a beautiful thing. Like I told you, I was so encouraged. We're going to close now. So encouraged at the VBS. You know, I came each morning as rowdy in my cowboy boots and put on my, my drawl and, you know, had some fun with the kids. But I was so blessed because long before I got here, there was all the workers were here. They were in their bright yellow T-shirts. Tables were being set up. Registration was being ready. Teachers were getting their classrooms ready. Young people were getting ready, you know, preparing games out in the park. I mean, the body of Christ at work. Everybody serving. Everybody and smiles on their faces, you know. Nobody, you know, it's too early to be here, you know. No, everybody's just like ready for the kids, looking forward to it. And it just blessed my heart as a pastor, you know. Maybe some of you are thinking that way, but I didn't notice it. <laughs> for me, it was just a blessing. God, that's what it's about. That, look at look at your church at work. Look at your people serving. So I encourage you to uh, to desire to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, be a good servant of Jesus Christ. These are some of the things that Paul encourages to have for Timothy to have going on in his life, and I believe they apply for us as well. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, God, for the. the ministry of your spirit through your word, Lord. Our hearts are challenged tonight, God. Those of us that want to be good servants and stewards of our faith, Lord, our hearts are challenged. And, but, but, Lord, we're not afraid of that. We, we embrace it. Because we've, we've learned that living in service to you is the greatest way to live. Jesus, you said that you came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. 
you encouraged us that those who try to save their life are going to lose it. But those who are willing to lose their life for your cause, for your sake, they're going to find it. And Lord, we've found that, I've found that to be true. That as I lose myself to you and to serve you and to make my life available to you, that truly that's when I'm living. That's when my life has meaning. That's when my life has um, just a sense of fulfillment and value. And Lord, for that I'm thankful. And I just pray that you would encourage all of us tonight, Lord. Just allow this word to kind of stir down in our spirits through the week, Lord. These six things that you would be looking for in us, God, that we might be, be able to, to give place to them. Be spiritually healthy. Be nourished in the word. Be bold in, in teaching, Lord, or proclaiming the truth that we know. To be totally committed. The other things that we've studied here tonight, Lord. May you uh, put these things into our heart. And may there be fruit, Lord, in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name.